Thomas Chip and Dale Furniture Maker. This episode isn't about him. It's regular animated Chip and Dale. Stay tuned. Good day and welcome to Writers Get Animated, a podcast about animation, storytelling, and two best friends who love nuts. I'm Chris Leva. <laughs> and I'm Mackenzie Worrell and slightly disappointed. Oh, I, I saw your excitement and I decided to puncture it. I was going to stop with two best friends <laughs> and then I decided to puncture your, your bubble because <laughs> that's our friendship, I suppose. And that's it's what this episode... <laughs> That's what this episode is about. Uh, Chippendale uh, in all their forms. Um, Chippendale, the two lovable chipmunks who are soon to be, what is that word, immortalized as gold statues for the 50th anniversary of Walt Disney World. The, the Fab 50 gold statue. You, 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 okay, you don't know. I, I don't what, follow Disney happening. World. They're making 50 gold statues at Disney World? They're making 50 gold statues at Disney World to celebrate the, I think they're gold-colored statues at Disney World, because <laughs> uh, it's Disney World, um, of characters who are instrumental to the last 50 years. So, of course, like, BB-8 and R2-D2 are included, like you do. That feels like cheating a little bit, but okay. Groot and Rocket Raccoon are part of it. And also Chip and Dale. Uh, and when I saw the reveal, because they've been revealing them on Instagram for a while, like, and they'd have a certain Imagineer or a voice of somebody or um, reveal who the person was. So like, it's Dumbo and it's Mickey, whoever. They chose Dumbo? They, really? What was that? They chose Dumbo? Yeah, Dumbo and, and Timothy, the mouse. Okay. And they also have, like, Olaf, of course. Well, yeah, that makes sense. The little I can lizard. get on board with that. Olaf, Chippendale, yeah, that makes sense. Disney canon. <laughs> Everyone's part of the Disney canon now. Anyway, when I saw that, I remember Chippendale, um, not that I'd ever forgotten Chippendale, but I was like, oh, yeah, those those two guys, they're really, they're really great characters. They're really fun and I wanted to take a look at them, especially since there is a new series that just came out on Disney Plus, Chippendale Park Life, with new episodes coming out every Wednesday. Because that's what happens now on Disney Plus. And other should- than that, I think they've just kind of flown under the radar for 20 or 30 years, as many of the classic Disney characters seem to have done. Well, I feel like they had Chip and Dale are really interesting. If you don't know who Chip and Dale are, I'm glad that you're here so we could tell you a little bit about Chip and Dale. Uh, Chip and Dale were and are a pair of chipmunks who love nuts in all their forms and get into lots of rambunctious trouble. And then somewhere in the late 80s, early 90s, they had a giant change that everyone remembers. So they had a, a big transformation, which is now if if people who are adults think of Chip and Dale, that's generally the Chip and Dale that they imagine. And now we have a brand new Chip and Dale. So there hasn't been anything since like the 90s of Chip and Dale as characters. They've made some appearances on things like um, Mickey Mouse, Funhouse, and some other things, Mm. you know, but never their own property, their own show. And I think part of that is like they've been trying to get something going for so long that they've been like off limits to everyone trying to put them in shows. Because I know they had a non-speaking cameo in the the latest DuckTales reboot because... And they kind of just, I think in Frank and Goni's words, kind of 
asked for forgiveness rather than permission on that one and just kind of put them into the episode. <laughs> and no one got mad. So we have non-speaking background minuscule Chip and Dale in that episode. And still people got mad at that, but we'll... Oh, oh no. Did you know that? I didn't. Like audience people or Disney executives? Audience people. people. Oh, pfft, whatever. I know. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> My feelings of fans are not well known on this podcast already. Apparently, <laughs> I just made them known. Well, we'll talk about it when we when we get to that segment. So we've decided to break this up into three. We're bringing to you three acts of Chippendale. Act one, the beginning. Act two. The Rescuing, Act 3, The Reinvention. We begin with Act 1, The Beginning. <laughs> I'm just going back to the roots of podcasting and bringing, bringing out some... This could be like a, acts. a crime murder investigatory <laughs> podcast style genre. You know, that is probably a really cool thing that they could have done with Chippendale. Like Chippendale podcast true crime podcast. I would watch that or listen to that, but Disney would never green light that. No, they wouldn't, which is why it's such a good idea. I think that's why you're excited about it. I think we get excited <laughs> about things they would never green light. Zodiac, tell us about the uh, Zodiac Killer. <laughs> well, Chip, I was making my grilled cheese sandwich that day. Anyway. <laughs> Those are terrible impressions, by the way. I clearly have not started any of my voice acting classes that I keep saying I'm going to start. Well, we'll work on it. We'll get there. We'll get there. So Chip and Dale, as characters, they started in a way back in 1947. Um, and these two chipmunks, I guess, no, they started actually earlier. They started in 1943. They didn't have names at the time, but they were just pretty basic chipmunks not like basic but like they were just generic that's the word i mean i mean i feel like a lot of characters across studios at the time started that way of like there was something generic in the background then some animator went like i have a fan canon about this and i'm gonna make a short <laughs> and that's how we get like i don't know i'm trying to think of another example probably clarabelle cow clarabelle cow I'm trying to pick like a Looney Tunes one. I feel like Daffy developed that way, maybe. I think he was kind yeah. of like generic weird duck. You're right. Let's throw this character in here to be... Because, yes, you're right, because he was the foil to the star of Porky. Mm -hmm. It's like, here's this random duck, and then people like the duck. So people like the chipmunks. So they were in two films... Uh, in 1943 in Private Pluto and Squatter's Rights in 1946. And then in 1947, they were in the film called Chip and Dale, which is available on Disney+, Plus, which is weird. We're not discussing. Um, <laughs> but they were in that film, and finally they became the recognizable versions of Chip and Dale that we know. Chip with the black nose and the teeth that are together and Dale with the red nose and the front teeth apart. In so if the you, comic vaudeville, like completely different odd couple archetype that is perfect. Cause I, I was doing a little bit of reading. I forget if you put this in the notes too. Um, I think someone suggested they'd be completely different personalities. And that's what really was like the breakthrough moment for developing these characters. Mm. Um, I'm like, yeah, it's it's odd couple. It's Mario and Luigi. That's how you take two characters and make them two characters. And that's part of what I wanted to discuss with you, Mackenzie. Like what what makes it about these odd couple characters, these duos that are so satisfying for audiences? Like what and and these friendships. Why is it two people and not Three. I mean, we have Donald, Mickey, Goofy a lot of times, this trio. But what is it about the duos that work for us? That's a great question. 
And as I was making my grilled cheese, I pondered that question. <laughs> um, <clears throat> for me, I, I suspect without having any scientific evidence to back this up, it's, I think we all have crazy friends to a certain degree. Mm. And so it's interesting to see a friendship dynamic that is like so polarizingly opposite, but satisfyingly like they're still friends, even though they're extremely different. That's compelling to watch emotionally for how much the duo is willing to give up other personality to still be friends with the other one and like please the other one. Um, but it's also satisfying in a plot why plot way because they're always going to be in conflict with like the messy one versus the clean one and the organized mm -hmm. one and the disorganized one, the outgoing one and the introverted one. Um, and for me, I especially love it because it's easy. I think in especially modern iterations, Dale is like the goofy, messy, like disorganized one. It's mm -hmm. always satisfying to see when Dale is in the right and like how Chip can like tone it down. Hmm. <laughs> I'm Chip, and I need that reminder. I tone it down. I'm a Chip who aspires to be a Dale. <laughs> I'm the worst kind. I'm a Dale who thinks he's a Chip. That's probably, like... I don't think that's true. You don't think that's true? No. So are we two Chips? Oh, no. Is that the problem? I'm not trying... I'm so sorry. I'm not trying to say that there's a problem <laughs> with our friendship on our podcast at this point. Chip and Chip <laughs> want to be Dale. <laughs> but I, I think I think you're in you're onto something about that conflict, you know, that built-in conflict between the two characters, because without the conflict between those two, why would you have the other character there? If they're two characters who agree and are always after the same thing, why not just have one chipmunk against Donald? Yes, that's very insightful. I, I guess jumping out into Food for Feudin, the OG 1950 short that we're going to talk about. Um, they're against Pluto in this short, but they're still different personalities, um, which is why there's not one chipmunk, because there's still Chip who's organized and has like a level that they need to fill their tree to with nuts and dale is kind of like goofing off and like not successfully doing anything and keeps getting like hit and is clumsy and they're working together but they're different characters who are still playing off of each other when pluto isn't in the picture at that moment and it's shown visually because you really can't understand them they're there's they're you can tell they're saying words but it's so ramped up and fast. Um, I love I love like the 1940s and 50s versions of Ch Chip and Dale because you could hear their cadence and like, oh, I know that's Chip and Dale from that time. You know, you can't understand them. It's all just chatter. Hey, you dumb head, go over here, do this. But it's like, what did he just call him? What did he just say about him? It's a little bit like... If you watch enough like Star Wars, you start to understand what the droids are saying. You're like, oh, okay. I think I think I heard that one. I got that one. <laughs> and uh, I do like that when they're first not introduced, but when we first meet them in this in this short, you have them with um, eating nuts differently. And or maybe that was in Chippendale. Which one is this? Anyway, when I remember them and, and Chip just cracks it and eats it and then like Dale puts it in his head, smashes his head and it like cracks open that way and eats it. That must have been the other short that I watched. Anyway, oh, you did extracurricular homework. I did extra credit, apparently. <laughs> Fine. I don't just do... <laughs> Maybe I am more Chip. I, who's, is my gap bigger? Do I, I have a I have a I have pretty a big gap. gap. Oh no, are we both Dale? Like <laughs> <laughs> that's not true at all. Okay, that's not true. You're right. <laughs> I think we're all a little bit chip and all a little bit Dale. But I think what's nice about the Chip and Dale cartoons is that they have a really familiar structure. 
between all of them and you know what's going to happen. Um, so you have Chip and Dale having fun in their tree or going about their business collecting nuts or acorns. Like that's what's happening. They're, they're either having fun or they're doing the job that Chip is having them do. Uh, then their fun gets interrupted by an outside force, usually that appears in duck or dog form. So it's either Donald or Pluto or Mickey, uh, who inadvertently causes trouble for them. Uh, then there's a battle over the tree, the nuts, or something completely new, um, like Donald, who uh, introduces them to popcorn hmm. uh, in Christmas. And then the final thing is Chip and Dale win and laugh their heads off. Like they just, it just ends always with Chip and Dale laughing. It's a nice basic want that they have, and it kind of goes back to like anyone who's ever taken a theater class is told about objectives by the theater professor. An objective is something as simple as, and then dramatic pause, a character wanting a glass of water. Um, <laughs> you're laughing because every single theater class has a professor who does this. I appreciate your theater professor voice. Like, I just, <laughs> I, I look forward to more of theater professor. Which, disclaimer, is not inspired by any particular theater professor I ever had for anyone <laughs> who may be a theater professor might have listened to this podcast, which is no one. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like, uh, I think the classic example of, like, helping define what a character wants in a scene is a glass of water. It's like a basic human need that's something simple. There's not any stakes associated with it. And for Chip and Dale, that need is always just food. They just want nuts. That's what they want. Mm -hmm. And then you create stakes and conflict from there. They don't want anything complicated in these original shorts. It's just about getting food. And it's, I like that there is, unless it's Donald, there's nothing really malicious at play. Like Donald, it's total karma for Donald. Like he causes trouble for the sake of causing trouble. There's one Christmas episode where they, Chip and Dale are sweeping the snow off of their branch and he's like, oh. And he grabs Chip and Dale and puts them on his sidewalk and they sweep away his whole sidewalk. And he's like, ah, thanks. Close, slams the door. They're like, now they're, now you pissed off two lovable chipmunks. Why? Why did you do that? Um, but in this case, Pluto is just trying to hide his bones. Dog hiding his bones. And one, he decides to shove in a tree. And it just takes that perfect, perfect level of nuts and pushes it just way too high for Chippendale. And now they're their nuts are lost, their home is lost, <laughs> and it's the dog's fault. Mm -hmm. And then all the nuts roll down the hill, get stuck in the doghouse, and the dog doesn't want the nuts, but the dog chases tiny rodent things. So it's a matter of getting past Pluto to retrieve their food again without any malicious conflict between them. Except I think on Dale's part, Dale wants to kick Pluto. <laughs> like Dale wants his revenge. I think this is an interesting thing. Chip is solely concentrated on get the nuts and get back to the tree. And Dale's like, I'm going I'm to take an opportunity to kick this dog. This dog who caused this whole problem. <laughs> and, yeah. and Chip's like, well, I'm going to hit you. I'm going to kick you because you need to get back over here and grab the nuts. Yeah, that's fair. I guess for me, like, it's not like, I don't know, Dale lives in his short-sighted world where that's just like, you deserve this karmic kickback, but it's not like, I'm going to go all Dexter on Pluto or something. It's not like overtly I, malicious. It's just I'm like, sorry, I had a really, really dark image that just appeared in my head of Pluto wrapped in plastic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Disney. I know you're listening. <laughs> Please don't greenlight that one either. Um, also, Dexter's coming back. Oh, that's just strange. Um, what do we want to say about this version of Chip and Dale 
Is there anything else that we want to say about where they began and what they are, what they're about? And or dynamic uh, duos like this? I would say that while the physics don't make sense, they have great prop work in oh, the short. Always. <clears throat> I love that Mickey's gardening gloves are just sitting around. So Mickey's not in the short, but they're just like, using Mickey gloves. <laughs> it's like, this is great. I enjoy this. Right. It, it makes no sense whatsoever how those hands work with that chipmunk articulating those fingers in the gloves. But it's totally believable. In a Disney animated world. Right. They, uh, I think it was Walt Disney who said uh, he endeavors for believable impossibility. Hmm. Like that's, that's what it is. You don't second guess it. You're like, oh, there's a chipmunk in that glove. And that's why that glove is acting like that. You don't stop and think about like, where's his, okay, where's his head? How is he, does he have four limbs? How is he doing this? Is that a fancy Walt Disney phrase for suspend your disbelief? I believe so, yeah. But it's it's not just you're turning off the believability, you know, the belief of the the audience. You're trying to make the situation work within the rules so that way it is believable, even though it's an impossible thing that's currently happening. Hmm. Like it's the the acting of the characters inside the gloves is believable to the extent that you don't second guess the impossible way that that glove is moving. It's they still move with personality and they yeah. still have like there's somebody in that glove. And it does escalate to the unbelievable. It doesn't start with like floating gloves. Right. But it winds up there. Right. Right. It just gets you gets you there and then it's like, oh now now we're now we're back. Now we have everything. Okay. I'm on board now, Walt. <laughs> so it it is to your point, it is suspending your disbelief, but you're making it easy for them to suspend it. You're giving them a a ramp. Yeah, this isn't Bertolt Brecht stepping on stage in the middle of Act One saying, now is the time where you must suspend your disbelief. Correct. You simply behave as if you were a wizard. And that's, I don't have a punchline there. <laughs> I don't think it needs a punchline, but. <laughs> So I guess we jump forward to 80s, 90s Chippendale. Yes, 80s, 90s Chippendale, which I love this story that I found out um, <laughs> about their creation, the creation of this show. Uh, the thing that most people, I think, know about Chippendale, the version that most people understand is Chippendale Rescue Rangers from... Like 1989. I remember watching when it first came out. I was like ready for the premiere. I knew it was coming and I was, I watched it live on TV when it aired. <laughs> you know, that's you actively thing. followed it. Yeah, I, I was there. I, I knew when the first episode was going to be on and I, and I watched it. Um, it was. It was created by Tad Stones and Alan Zaslov, and it was initially going to be a TV series about the rescuers. Um, but Disney was like, no, we're in the middle of making the rescuers down under. We can't make a rescuers TV show, which I think they should make a Disney Plus rescuers TV show now. Like, that would be really cool. I mean, I think if they just do a Rescue Rangers reboot, they could establish it as like a satellite office of the rescuers. And I'd be totally satisfied. Oh, that would be good too. Cause I also had to look up like, like which came first rescue Rangers or the rescuers. Cause they do feel extremely related, even though they're not officially related at all. And so your story makes sense. Well, the rescuers, the original rescuers was in the sixties. So I think they came first. Is that how old that is? Yeah. Oh, I just always associate, like, I know Rescuers Down Under was, like, 92 or something. So it's 
I guess, assume the first one was around then also. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no, my dear. Um, I'm sorry, 1977. Yeah, but that's still, quite a while before that. <laughs> still earlier. <laughs> um, and so instead of doing the rescuers, they, they created a new concept called Metro Mice, uh, <laughs> which had a mouse... <laughs> Do I need to give you a minute, or are you okay? Oh, my God. Thank goodness they didn't go with that name. I mean, it was the 80s. Um, <laughs> Metro Mice. Um, and the main character was Kit Colby, who was kind of like Indiana Jones, who had a fedora and a fluffy collared leather jacket. I don't know if that sounds familiar at all. Oh, so they were all cheese names in the pitch. That's why Monterey Jack is just Monterey Jack at Rescue Rangers. Yes. They were all mice with cheese names. Oh, okay. It's clicking. I've never made that because Colby didn't mean anything to me, but now it does. (laughs) It's a cheese name. That's cute. And if, if Kit and Monterey got into a relationship... They could, they could like hyphenate their name. It's Colby, Colby Jack. Jack. Yeah. Oh. Maybe we it just missed. Maybe Metro Mice was like a um, sexual orientation ambiguous, like '80s Disney animated TV show. <laughs> that that's a big stretch. I was going to say that's 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 <laughs> that's but a now, lot of suspending of disbelief. Now Metro Mice would write itself. You're, that if you version. hire Chris and Mackenzie to write it. Right, exactly. Or Disney Plus. I think a throwback 80s series of Metro Mice would work. I see lots of like motorcycles because it would be almost like it would be like action and all, all that kind of fun stuff. Mm-hmm. I like w- almost like the Expendables, but like mice. <laughs> And fun and poppy like 80s. Okay, yeah, I, I can totally see that. I think that there's room on Disney Plus for something that does that. Children like the 80s. It's like when we were growing up, we're like, the 50s, that's a genre. And I think young kids now are like, 80s, what a crazy genre in ancient history. Known for its neon colors and like going to the mall. And you could still have it be a spinoff of The Rescuers. It's this rogue group that like doesn't that believes that the rescuers are too nice and you know not taking things and we need to make it we need to take action. They're, I would, I would metro keep, mice. I would move Monterey Jack to the show as well. I would just keep Monterey Jack as is. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. Now I want it. Now I want it. Um <laughs> Anyway, anyway, continue telling us about how <laughs> Metro Mice became Rescue Rangers. <laughs> so Michael Eisner and Jeffrey Katzenberg were like, we like this idea, but we don't like this character of Kit Colby. And so Michael Eisner was like, why don't you make it Chip and Dale? Instead, like, instead of this mouse, um, make it Chip and Dale. And that way it's somebody that the audiences know and could already relate to and so that became Chippendale Rescue Rangers yes what because was, I as a child in the late 80s early 90s totally knew who Chip and Dale were and watched this because of Chip and Dale yes okay me as a child of the 70s and 80s was like whoa Chip and Dale <laughs> in, as what Rescue Rangers I don't know what that means let's watch it okay all I all I know is you end up with Chip in a fedora and a leather bomber jacket and Dale in a Hawaiian shirt with messy hair. And it's like, okay, we have the action star and then we have the, the lazy go easy action star who's bumbling. And yeah, he's the funky Kong of the group. He just, he's there, he's helping, but he doesn't want to like, be the center of attention or like go on adventures 
he has the ideals. He believes in what the rescue rangers do in, you know, yeah. in concept. Yeah, exactly. But he doesn't want to be there. He wants to be like drinking a, a virgin mojito or something on a beach. <laughs> so I guess they have differing wants, different objectives, as you would say, even as they have their one big objective, which is to do good. Make things right. Yeah, I think it's because, accurate. It's a I mean, translation into like pop culture of who Chippendale were previously. Because mm-hmm. they're still the same characters, but now they're like wearing clothes that match with like those personalities. Chip is Indiana Jones and Dale is, I don't know, Hawaiian shirts were big in the 90s. I, Dale is that. People talk a lot about Magnum P.I. being. Oh. Yeah. Being the Dale character. I could see that. But the problem with, I don't think the problem with it, but the the issue is he's not smooth at all. So it's like the anti-Magnum PI. So it's like wants to be Magnum PI, but really. So in Rescue Rangers, Dale is a Dale who wants to be a chip. Yes. I feel we're like, one conversation away from this being the Bojack episode about Zoe or Zelda. <laughs> it's Chipperdales. <laughs> so, I mean, this is definitely Rescue Rangers is the Chippendale that I knew and grew up with. Um, and so whenever I saw like older Chippendale for the first time, I'm like, why aren't they talking? What is going on here? It, it really is confusing um, to, to know Rescue Rangers. And then, um, go back to watch the old ones unless you grew up with them. And then it's like, I I can imagine rescue Rangers being an assault on your childhood thing that you loved and what's going on with these things. I like reimagination and finding new life and new ways for characters to thrive and new friend groups for them. (laughs) I, I loved everything about Rescue Rangers. I mean, I loved Gadget. I loved Monterey Jack to a certain extent. Only only when he spelled cheese. Like, that was my favorite Monterey Jack bit, you know? The mustache I, twirl and, like, and he would, like, float away. Just... Uh, until I watched this for homework, I, like, forgot that I loved this as a kid and watched it religiously as, like, a little tiny child. So, like... You saying things that Monterey Jack did, like, I remember those. I haven't seen it in 30 years. <laughs> but it, it's jangling my jollies loose in my brain. Okay. Okay. So the episode that we asked you to watch for a homework, you could have watched any of them or all of them, uh, to be fair. And you would get some of what this is. But season one, episode 23, An Elephant Never Suspects where I I chose this episode because it has to do with nuts, in this case, peanuts, and um, Chip and Dale protecting peanuts, which is what they were meant to do, um, which feels like an old Chip and Dale plot. And it went different places. It went different places than I remembered. <laughs> it surprised us both with how um, dated mm. some of its ideas were. Mm-hmm. Ignoring portrayals of, of people and things in it, um, I think the plot holds up and is fine. But <laughs> the portrayal and reasoning and stereotypes associated if you haven't seen it, I feel like this will give everything away. The stereotypes associated with the pandas um, is a product of 1989. The, the pandas from China. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The genius pandas who <laughs> are mm-hmm. engineers. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I do want to say, like, right now there's an Academy Museum of Motion Pictures exhibition happening right now called Stories of Cinema uh, that is showcasing some of the problematic side of animation history. Uh, there is a three-gallery experience of going through characters and looking at um, racism and sexuality and other things as displayed in animation history. And it's it's really interesting. I haven't been there, but in my reading about it, and we'll leave an article in the show notes for you to check it out. But I think I'm glad that we're having these conversations because it is problematic to have Rob Paulson, who played Yakko, do an Asian accent. I'm not even sure it's an Asian accent. It's a it's a very 80s idea of what uh, a Chinese accent would be. Yeah. So, yeah. It's disappointing. <laughs> Everything until then is really plotted interestingly and well. Like, I feel like Chip and Dale are having fun. It starts off like regular Chip and Dale. Chip and Dale are having fun with their elephant friends, uh, friend. They like the young elephant and the elephant has let him slide up his trunk and they're just having playtime. Uh, the father elephant is like, why are you hanging out with rodents? I'm like, <laughs> oh, we're going here now. Um, you don't want to hang out with those kind. They can't be trusted. <laughs> and yet at the same episode. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> And then um, Chip and Dale are like, "No, we're some. Of, we're the good guys. We're you can trust us. We're the rescue rangers. We're world famous." Um, and then the the zoo is starting to lose. All the animals are missing peanuts. So the bears, the monkeys, all all of them are losing peanuts. Jim's Jim Cummings in various forms. It's just, very upset about missing peanuts. <laughs> I do love in Chippendale, like almost every episode is which three or four characters is Jim Cummings going to be in this episode? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I think that the, the plot works really well. I think it's, it's clever uh, uh, ignoring anything problematic in it. And you just substitute out all the problematic stuff for like, there are, other animals at the zoo who need peanuts for a non-food reason and mm. are stealing them for their own non-malicious plot for some means that they want to for an emotional core reason. That serves out all the problematic parts. If you could change all that into that <laughs> without the problem, it works fine. It holds up. I do I do appreciate that you said that because for them, it's not a malicious thing that they're doing. Mm -hmm. It's a personal reason, but it's not malicious, which goes back to the Chip and Dale thing. They're not they're more the Pluto who inadvertently cause issues for Chip and Dale and their nuts. I mean yeah. they're not Chip and Dale's nuts, but they're the nuts that Chip and Dale are protecting. I don't recall the rescue rangers having too many villain villains is the cat fat cat but i feel like a lot of episodes are again not having seen it in decades um solving problems and conflict without fighting evil necessarily now there are only really two there's fat cat um voiced by jim cummings and then there's professor numnal who is voiced by jim cummings Oh, so just, no matter what, they're fighting Jimmy Cummings. Yeah, basically. In this episode, they're fighting Jimmy Cummings' prejudice as a bear who uh, <laughs> doesn't believe that any of the animals have his best interests in mind. Right. Jim Cummings as society. Um. <laughs> Who's the villain in this episode? Jim Cummings. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> 
what what's I think we've we've kind of tiptoed around it a little bit, but what is the Chippendaliness that still exists in this incarnation of Chippendale? Well, I think as I alluded to earlier, I think there's still the same archetypes in their duo, mm. just re-expressed in that 80s, 90s way. Um, both in terms of who they are and their conflict with each other. Like they kind of have their like selfish argument about watching over the peanuts and they don't actually notice that the peanuts are being stolen while that's <laughs> happening. I was like, that's that tracks. Yeah, it's Chip a very Chip and Dale problem. <laughs> um, I think they they believe they want to have fun generally, which is something they have in common. Mm-hmm. Um, and they generally believe in the best in others around them, even when they don't know them. Mm. They don't assume malicious intent or evil. They're kind of they come to defense of everyone, really. I don't know that that it kind of goes back to what you're saying about food for feudin, where Pluto isn't maliciously evil. Uh, they don't assume the worst intent in people and other characters and dogs. At least Chip doesn't. I think Dale's ready to be like, let's go get him. Like, let's take him down. Let's take him out. He's just short sighted and short fused. Yeah. Like, I think there's a version of Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers where Chip is like three days from retirement (laughs) and Dale is just still taking him on dangerous things. But I, I I do really appreciate that it's still, here's the straight man, obviously, and then here's the silly man. Mm-hmm. obviously and then that still gets them into the same trouble like it doesn't cause the problem because it's the pandas who are stealing everything but it, it causes them to be it complicates and i think that's something that i that pitting these two against each other in in addition to against the antagonist whatever form that may take it just adds that additional complication like that I don't I don't think I think that's getting at what you were saying too like it just makes it harder for them to do it's just another thing that gets in the way of their objectives yeah it's each other it creates like an emotional problem they have to resolve every episode without like just a plot point Mm. to resolve it's not like a I'll get you into purple berries next week you darn Smurfs? I don't know. (laughs) That's a fair assessment of that show. So, (laughs) Is there anything else we would like to say about Chippendale Rescue Rangers in this form? Uh, Excellent part of a balanced Disney afternoon. Mm, Well said. (laughs) So, next, if you didn't know... Now you know that Chip and Dale are back in a new Disney Plus series, um, Park Life. It is French-American television series. Which is different Uh, than French-Canadian. It's French, France and U.S., not Québécois. (laughs) And it just came out. It started uh, in July of 2021. And it reinvents the beginning of Chippendale. It goes back to who Chippendale were at the start and revamps them for, if we had these characters now, what would we do with them? Yeah, and it kind of puts it, I think, in in the tropes of the 2020s. If that makes sense. I, I felt like watching these shorts and take this as you will for what it is. It yeah. felt like watching kind of like generic, like if you just put like YouTube kids on shuffle. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Talk to me about these tropes. So we still have Chip and Dale, the 
black-nosed chipmunk with his teeth together and the red-nosed chipmunk with his teeth apart. Like, we get that. Who live in a tree, who don't speak. Uh, mm-hmm. They just... Now it's, now it's not even... You can understand them, like, catch actual words. Now it's just chatter. Yeah, because there is no dialogue, they rely a lot on visual storytelling, mm-hmm. which is not bad. It's a fun challenge. Um, but I think a lot of times what could be summed up in what I saw is like there's upbeat music as a thing happens, for example, Chippendale sweeping, and this would happen continuously except something else happens. <laughs> mm. It's not like one of the characters does something that drives the plot forward. It's like um, they're sweeping and they would do this ad infinitum for a million years, except like a leak springs in the roof of their tree Mm. somehow, Uh, which then music changes. We get like a reaction shot of like uh, a colorful acorny background rather than an actual background of like, Chip being horrified, ah, to show you the emotion that's happening in one moment, one frame, not one frame, but like, you know, one moment that like, there's not depth to that moment. It's like, I'm going to spend one second looking at this exact panorama. It's this thing. Ah, Um, and then that's when the thing changes. And then that character reacted, starts doing something differently. And they have another upbeat music-y moment and they could continue doing that ad infinitum until like the next thing happens to them. Hmm. Like it's a show where the fun in it is the characters and how they react to things, but the characters aren't driving the plot as much. At least in this version, in this episode that we watched. I mean, you I watched just, the, the three shorts in that episode. Oh, you watched the three? Okay. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's your assessment after watching three the three of them? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So For me. I'm not judging. I'm, this is, I think it's, I, I see exactly what you're saying. It is, it is very much built, and I think part of it is because of the non, you know, non-speaking roles of Chip and Dale, which people haven't seen in a long time. Even in all the Christmas things that have been done recently that show Chip and Dale, we still understand them. Like we still basically have the Tress McNeil version of, of, of them, you know, like we still, we still hear them. But, um, Sorry, I'm, I'm reliving like Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas or something with Chip and Dale getting a toy train for Christmas. Um, <laughs> try to get that out of my brain. Um, but in in this one, because they are non-speaking, a lot has to be done in a short amount of time to get the plot moving. Mm-hmm. And I think because they want to tell stories that are slightly more interesting than dog bone in the tree upsets the acorns. They, they want to make it a little bit more. I don't, I don't want to say, I think it is trying to be more interesting, but I'm just trying to figure out what, what it is that they're, they're trying to make it a little bit more dramatic too. It is. It's more of a, I think a lot of modern cartoon shows that we talk about that we love, like Steven Universe DuckTales, it's like person versus person or like person versus society, mm-hmm. going back to like English majoring. And I think Chippendale Park Life is person versus nature because mm. things happen to them. It's not mm. like there is interpersonal conflict, especially in this this specific short, A Nut You Can't Refuse, like the core conflict is between two characters, Chip and the Godfather squirrel question mark. Um, but what causes that and what resolves that are mostly things happening to them. Hmm. I can see that. That that's a good way of putting it. 
And I guess putting them back in nature, back in a tree with, you know, sticks and things that make up brand, you know, make up their brooms and not actual brooms or plunger based tools <laughs> like in rescue rangers where how do they get such tiny plungers everything is a plunger or a dart or a tinker toy you know um like that's ingenious by the way all that design even gadgets go coaster in disneyland which is made out of tinker toys like really amazing <laughs> <laughs> but yeah this one is much more like natural like they are chipmunks who happen to be like moderately more intelligent than the average chipmunk mm-hmm. i mean at least chip is <laughs> yeah that's fair like i feel like i feel like they ramped up the differences between them a lot like i feel like dale is i don't think he's stupid i just think they ramped up his laziness they made they made him they made their conflict a lot bigger, but I don't think it goes as violent as it used to in the for, in the 40s cartoons. You know, I don't think Chip ever like knocks him over the head and was like, "Come on, you dummy!" Like, yeah, I think I don't know. I watched the the second short in the same episode was about um, them trying to like find a beach like vacation spot mm. in the park. That was a funny and, one. Yeah, and it kind of becomes clear that. Dale is the sound head in that one, which I really appreciated. It just kind of like gets progressively more annoyed with Chip for wanting perfection out of vacation. Mm. Which again, there's no violence, but it's not like the shtick of every episode is that Dale is the dumb problematic one. It's It could go either way. Well, I think in this, what they've made it is that it's Chip's tunnel vision that causes a lot of the conflict mm-hmm. and it's so chips tunnel vision in terms of, I want this tree to be sparkling clean and by any means necessary, I will even bargain a deal with the mob <laughs> to keep feeding my roommate nuts. So that way um, I can keep this place clean that Tunnel vision just causes all of the trouble. And then, like you were saying in the vacation one, his he takes along that picture like, nope, this doesn't work. We have to go. This mm-hmm. doesn't work. It doesn't look exactly like this. There's a duck there. Uh-uh. uh uh-uh. We're leaving. <laughs> the leaf fell on the pond. It's not perfect. We're gone. We're, le- we're leaving, Dale. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's an interesting re-envisioning from the roots of Chip and Dale into kind of a, a modern sensibility in not just modern animation, but like modern what kids experience, I mm. think, between YouTube and things like that. Yeah. And I, I think for what they are, which are, you know, three groups in, in each episode, three groups of seven minute long episodes... It's what I would expect from a seven-minute-long Chippendale cartoon in in this current in our current time. Which what do I want to say? It's basically like Chippendale Chip, Chippendale Go. It's basically <laughs> what they made in in some ways. Chippendale Go, like Teen Titans Go. I see now. Okay. I was like, like so, Pokemon Go? No, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Like Teen Titans Go. So it's it's basically let's take these characters and let's put them into, let's let's make silliness, which is why we end up with like the Godfather is a squirrel, who bargains Chip into a contract, to give him nuts if he agrees to clean. I just I love that rabbit too. That rabbit who's sweeping, who just yeah. slowly shakes her head like. Mm. <laughs> don't do it. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. Good times. So they're, they're really fun. I don't know if they're what people expected. A lot of people are that I saw 
there's a there's a number of people who are against the design of them and i'm like come get come on they they're fun it's not rescue rangers and that's fine that's okay there's other things to draw from in the world mhm i i think they're really i think it, they're really cute in their own way and i think you could stretch their stretch the jokes a little bit differently because you've made them these simpler forms and their hugs are really fun because there's just a straight line in between them when they hug it's just a solid line in between them it's they connect <laughs> it's their friendship man mm-hmm. and i do like that there's a color difference now between the two of them like yeah they are slightly different shades of brown right yeah okay yeah that works so i feel like dale's like a warmer orangier brown mm-hmm. yeah now you can tell which one's which from behind. <laughs> I just know uh, Jack, whenever a new one would come on, because they release them once a week, or they have been releasing them once a week. Uh, the first time we watched it, um, I think it was like the day that they came out. He was like, okay, where's the next one? And I said, it comes out every week. And then the next day he's like, is the new one out? I'm like, it just came out yesterday. I said, one every week. Um, you just gotta space out those trio of seven minute shorts for him yep you watch seven and minutes I- today and seven minutes tomorrow <laughs> that's probably a better way to be doing it but he, <laughs> he will he will binge I think between the two of us I think Jack is basically Dale and I'm like Chip so yeah. I feel it like this father son Chip and Dale like relationship of like can you please stop being crazy and just put the nuts away? Just put the nuts away. <laughs> We're just going to focus on sweeping this room right now. Focus. <laughs> bing, bing, bing. As, <laughs> as the new park life does whenever there's like a idea or a problem, that little three note thing. I do also enjoy the opening credits of park life the slow motion trouble that ends up happening as did you skip intro or did you watch the intro? I watched it. It felt like its own mini episode. Is it different each time or is it? No, it's the same. Okay. It's just really funny how things are happening. And then suddenly there's a slow motion is all this trouble happening. It's like, Oh, okay. This is going to be really ridiculous. Silly. And it delivers what it promised. It does. Is there anything else we want to say about Chippendale Park Life? I don't think so. Well, if you are Chippendale fans, you may know, you may be aware that there is um, more Chippendale on the way. Shocker. Uh, There is a live-action CG uh, hybrid film with human characters and Chip and Dale um, as CG animated characters. Uh, Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers coming out sometime in the future. And it is... uh, (laughs) Chip will be voiced by John Mulaney. And Adam Sandberg is going to be voicing Dale. Now I'm tentatively excited. My question, and it was the question of people I was talking to, uh, was, will Chip and Dale be understood? Will they be sped up and chick, chipmunk-fied? You know, will they, will they give a higher pitch to John Mulaney's voice? I hope so. I I do hope that they get slightly sped up and higher pitched because I can't envision a Chip and Dale that just sound like John Mulaney and Andy Samberg. Hmm. I feel like it'd be like too alienating. Alienating. I know, like some of these like classic multimedia characters like Mickey and Donald and 
Mario and Luigi and like Sonic the Hedgehog and I think of other good examples where they have like multiple things that they're in. They often have a consistent voice across these things Mm. or at least a style of voice and that kind of works. So like even um, what's his face as uh, Sonic in the most recent Sonic the Hedgehog movie, like it was still like in the spirit of Sonic. And so I was bought into it, but I can't imagine John Mulaney's voice coming out of Chip's body. Just as is. Yeah, without... just straight up John Mulaney. Like, that is too deep voiced of a chipmunk. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll, I'll grant that. That you have a really strong argument for upping the squeak on John Mulaney and Andy Samberg. Upping the squeak. Up the in the squeak. Writers get animated dramaturgical problem story. <laughs> so look for that. That's coming on Disney Plus at some time in the future. I'm excited to see it. I I don't know. I'm just a fan who enjoys seeing what people do with characters. Like mm-hmm. I I I think that's one of the differences that we have amongst other people is it's like yeah, play with play in the sandbox, play with the toys, do this stuff. It's fine. It's not one particular way. You may be less successful with something or better, more successful, but that doesn't change any of the relationships that I have with anything. So just... I may want more of the same thing of a certain kind of property, but if I don't get that, I can always go back and rewatch that old property. I'm not yeah. losing anything. Hmm. Anyway, Chris, do you have a favorite Chip and Dale thing from what we've seen today? I think my favorite thing was something that was really subtle, but also made me laugh really hard when I realized what it was. Um, in, in Chip and Dale Park Life, the episode that we watched, there's a squirrel who's the godfather, as we've alluded to, is at a desk sitting down. And as you would expect... Um, you'd expect the Godfather to be in this high-backed chair, sitting there talking, and you get that image. And then at some point, the squirrel turns his back, and you realize that you're not looking at a high-backed chair. It's actually the squirrel's tail that's <laughs> behind him. And I was, I just, it's like, that is such a brilliant sight gag in just a small little throwaway thing. I was just, I, I Man, so good. Because it could have been another chipmunk, but it was a squirrel, and it had to be a squirrel to pull off the look. Of, it was, oh, gosh, so so good. Mm-hmm. What about you? That McKenzie? was a good gig. <laughs> um, my favorite thing is also from Chippendale Park Life, but from the second short of the same episode. It's when they're uh, packing for vacation. There's some visual gag that, like, one ups itself a couple times, but is also completely in character for both Chip and Dale. So they decide to go on vacation silently. And so what Chip does is he packs for vacation by getting an acorn. And it turns out this acorn's a backpack and it opens up the top and he grabs an identical acorn and puts it inside the acorn <laughs> backpack and closes it. <laughs> You're like, okay, that's a funny Chip gag. I get it. How is Dale going to pack? And Dale grabs like 20 acorns and stuffs them in his mouth. So he's like these giant bulging cheeks. They're like, okay, that's how Dale packs. I get it. But they continue to one up because Dale also grabs an acorn backpack and then puts that in his mouth also. (laughs) I like this. Built in unexpected ways. It was in character. A plus all around. Oh, that is is really well built. (laughs) I'm like... That's a joke that I wish that I could have thought of. Again, you're right. It is totally within character because, yes, uh, he would be sen- Chip would be sensible and pack his bag with the thing that he needs. But it also is like Dale is maybe he's the most animalistic, so he'd be the most like chipmunk-like, and that's how a chipmunk would pack with the additional also the bag. <laughs> I'm also putting the backpack in my mouth. <laughs> oh. So thank you, Chip and Dale, and we hope to see more. 
from you to <laughs> in gumshoe form or otherwise. <laughs> One of your friend groups. <laughs> well, Mackenzie, should we talk about homework time? Let's. For next time, your homework, as we do once a year, is to watch all the shows. Or not. <laughs> and listen to what we tell you to watch next time. Uh, we're going to be talking about the best new animated shows of 2021. Uh, because believe it or not, this is our second best new animated shows during the pandemic. Because it's gone on that long. And there's lots of new content to talk about. So either watch everything that came out this year. Or watch nothing and just choose what you want to based on what we say next time. And I think that's probably the better way of doing it, to be perfectly honest, because it's better to explore some things and then make some really intentional decisions about the few things that seem important that you really want to focus on rather than trying to do everything. It's impossible. Just plugging that Craig McCune essentialism. Just, I'm just saying, I'm, this is just an idea I've been, that's been in my mind uh, recently. <laughs> now available as an audiobook. As always, we want to say thank you to Nadja Coutinho, our sound engineer, and thank you to Jacob Reed and the Champagne Drops for our theme music. You can find all of our uh, show notes and details and links to things we mentioned on writersgetanimated.podbean.com. And you can find us on Twitter at WG Animated and tell us what you think of Chippendale. What's your favorite iteration? Is it a Rescue Ranger? Why not? Um. <laughs> Perfect. It went really well. I think we did really well with this one. It was an Air 5. You couldn't hear you it in the podcast. Smack. Good night, everybody.